It's time for episode 445 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM. Recorded Wednesday, April 6, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast. That's four people, four topics, and four months into the year. I, my name is Dan Morton, and I'm joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my co-host, my dungeon buddy, my everything. It's Micah Sargent. <laughs> 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 today, Micah. I, well, you know what? Now I'm doing better than I was before. I'll tell you that. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good day. Uh, it's a lot of fours, and um, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for the show. All right. Well, you should be ready because we have two fantastic guests to my left this week. It is the web editor and producer of the Texas Standard, uh, the host of Parallel right here on Real FM and Lion Towers and Shields over on the Copper Well. It's Shelly Brisbane. Welcome back, Shelly. Hi, Dan. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. And to my left, it is the co-host of Unhelpful Suggestions, the co-host of Defocus, the co-host of many a good podcast. It's Joe Rosenstiel. Uh, hi, Micah. Hi. I don't know why I added in a bunch of extra podcasts in my brain. <laughs> I don't know. But... <laughs> Mostly those two. Just those two. That's how you end up posting extra podcasts you didn't know you yeah. were hosting. Surprise, <laughs> Joe. You're going to have some new podcasts and after there are this. other secret podcasts you may not know about. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's kick this off. Uh, so one rumor going around this week is that Apple is reportedly building out its entirely like own financial services segment of the company, which seems a little odd, but okay. I wanted to ask you, do you currently use an Apple card, which is obviously the financial service they're offering? offering and would you use other financial services from apple if they were consumer facing would you have an account at an apple bank shelly what are your thoughts on this i do not have an apple card i didn't see any reason to have one i have a debit card i have a credit card thank you very much that's all i need and i i guess the only reason that i would use apple branded financial services is probably for the tech of how easy it was to get access to and understand the reporting of because i mean i hate my bank's website i hate my bank's mobile app and so in theory if they could make that experience better for me i'd switch but i'm also a big fan of credit unions and i know that whatever financial platform apple creates is going to be backed by a banking institution that may not be one I want to do business with. Um, so I also the same way I do not have an Apple card. Uh, I am good, good to go as far as having a debit card and a credit card and uh, never saw the reason to sign up for an Apple card. Um, at the same time, there is a world in which I would consider using uh, something provided by Apple. If it was very easy to sign up for it, uh, I do. I've slowly made um, a lot of the transactions that I do where I'm sending money to uh, friends or family, uh, made that transition to using the built-in sort of Apple Pay option. And so in that way, I think it could be handy to have uh, an Apple bank uh, where that money can go back and forth and whatnot. Uh, that said, I also do feel like depending on the bank that uh, they end up partnering with to make that possible, that could play a role in whether or not 
not I would want to uh, sign up for that and switch banks after the bank that I used for so long, uh, known as Simple, ended up being acquired. And then the company that acquired it got acquired and there were all of these acquisitions. It was very confusing and I don't want that to happen again. Um, So yeah, banking can be confusing at times. Joe, what about you? Yeah, I don't have an Apple card uh, either. I am very... uh, uh, I hesitate to use the word conservative, but I, I, I am <laughs> risk averse with my general banking. Um, so I like stick with what I know and I, I don't really trust, uh, it's not that I don't trust Apple, um, with money, um, because I obviously buy things from them all the time, but it's just something about having a financial relationship where there are transactions going through them that kind of makes me a little wary, uh, for, no, no really good reason, but just just general reluctance. I do have an Apple card, which I guess makes me the odd person out. Odd person out. Um, I, I think in part one, because I do so much transacting with Apple that getting the, the percentage back on on those is actually valuable for me. Uh, to it, it actually ended up being the easiest way for me to me and my wife to share a credit card, especially because we both use Apple Pay so much now, and that makes tracking certain joint finances a lot easier, which I appreciate. Uh, and generally, I feel like it has pretty good, like like Shelley was talking about, the tech for dealing with your account is pretty solid. It's not perfect, but they've improved it over time and added more ability to like export your transactions, so you can get them into other apps and stuff like that. So I would be interested to know how they would bring that approach to uh, uh, perhaps a larger banking thing. What makes me uncomfortable is just the... I think it's just the increasing like monolithic nature of these companies, the giant tech companies that do everything for you, because it is off-putting to have the idea of like, yes, and Apple is also my bank, and they sell me a phone. And it's like, really? I, I don't really know why they do all of these things. This seems like too much, perhaps. Um, also, it just becomes this really weird thing where it's like, hey, Apple, can I borrow some of the money you're holding for me to pay you for a thing that I bought for you? Because that's weird. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, well, uh, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of different ways it seems like it could go based on the rumors. But um, yeah, I, I think Apple just loves to to do as much as it can without relying on other companies. So we'll see how that plays out. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Shelley. So Elon Musk is a famously now a big shareholder in Twitter, and he thinks Twitter should have an edit button. And Twitter has this week said, hey, we've been working on that for a while, actually, and it's not because of Elon Musk. Well, whether that is true or not, they are working on it, and it is something that will be available to blue customers, i.e. people who pay for Twitter. So my question for you, my compound question for you is, uh, what if you had a Twitter edit button? Are you most likely to edit in your actual Twitter life? And also, if that was available to you, would you pay for the privilege? So I am of the mindset, and I've always been of the mindset, that... If I want uh, to correct a tweet, I have no problem deleting the tweet and just sending it out again fixed. Um, some folks have this this sort of holy feeling about their uh, Twitter timeline where if they do a boo-boo, then they'll send out a new tweet where it's fixed and they just leave the old one. Um, but I personally... Uh, am not a journalistic institution as a human being, um, and therefore don't feel like it's necessary to uh, hold to some idea that like, once the tweet is there, it just has to stay. And uh, I guess I'll issue a correction, but it comes afterward. Um, So in that way, I'm not allergic to uh, editing a tweet, if all of the the 
you know, uh, the, the stuff is there to let someone know that it was edited. But I'm just not I'm not pro uh, Twitter edit button in the first place. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is if it's there, uh, I would use that mechanism to correct a typo. Um, it, because that's what I've done whenever I was sort of editing a tweet in the past. Um, and as far as paying for the privilege, yes, but not because of uh, the Twitter edit button. It's just simply that I already have Twitter Blue. So if that was an added feature for, of Twitter Blue, then I would do that. If an edit button was a feature that was an extra pay on top of Twitter Blue, no, I'm not going to pay more for uh for for an edit button. Although if TweetDeck falls into Twitter Blue in the future, I will still happily pay to uh, keep TweetDeck because I like to use that. What about you, Joe? I have a slightly different opinion. I think editing is good um, because it doesn't really prevent any sort of abuse on the platform if you don't have an edit button, as we've seen. Um, and uh, I feel like it also helps with those journalistic institutions you just mentioned, because there are so many occasions where I feel like I've seen a uh, breaking, horrible, outrageous thing happened. And then the follow up tweet from the AP or whatever, and it says that thing didn't actually happen. And that second tweet is not as widely circulated as that first one. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll see that keep going long after the correction has been issued. Uh, so I feel like editing just in general is a good thing, as long as you can expose whether or not something was edited and what the changes were that were made. And there are already ways of doing that in things that we use like Slack, where you can edit uh, a message and you can see the history of what it is. Um, it, it won't hurt anyone if you do that. Uh, there are obviously ways to abuse that. If you uh, send out something, and you're like, hey, retweet this, whatever, you know, to, to get whatever out of this. And then someone does that and then they go back later and they edit the tweet. So obviously you want to have like some sort of expiration on when you can edit things uh, or at least when you can like change the body of it or the URL, especially in cases of an account being hijacked and somebody going in and replacing all the tweets with a URL to uh, some like Bitcoin mining site. So there are safety precautions that you need to do. But I, I in general, I'm just in the fa in favor of having an edit button. Uh, whether or not it has anything to do with Elon Musk, um, I don't care about. Uh, and it, it was, uh, I think Julia Alexander had a tweet the other day where she said, she speculated that it is possible that Elon had some knowledge that this might be announced soon. And so he just posted his weird poll first so that, that way he get the sort of clout and sort of act like he had made the feature manifest um which is a whole separate other issue from editing in general but uh but that's where i am on that what about you dan i'm suggesting a feature where we can all edit elon musk's tweets that's my oh, feeling on it and somebody needs to make it happen. who has time <laughs> i will uh, pay for twitter blue for that right uh, i like joe i'm pro edit uh feature i think for me it is just the idea of fixing like typos or mistakes that i make is appealing to me because it's frustrating to get that tweet out there and then look at it and feel like oh god do i want to delete it because i mean you delete tweets the problem in that case is like people reply to it or have shared it or whatever like it's there it's always there and you can't really delete it i mean you can but then you lose everything if you make a new post uh joe's i mean joe's points about the breaking new stuff i think we're much more substantive than what I, I just want to fix my typos. Um, but I, I like the idea of it. And again, to Joe's point, if you do it well and you provide transparency into what is getting edited, 
and then, you know, allow for some restrictions on how things are edited or how much of things are edited or what parts of it are edited. I think all those are things that need to be figured out and tested and potentially tweaked as you go along. But I do think that there is value in it because you should be able to, you know, change these things, uh, you know, in the same way that humans change their minds about things. Like I, I retweeted something the other day that it turned out like I was, you know, making fun of an article or something that I thought was bad. And then somebody pointed out to me that it was like satirical. I was like, well, now I feel dumb. So I'm just going to delete that. <laughs> but, you know, I could edit it to, to you know, note that. And it doesn't really work very well right now when you reply to something instead. So as far as whether I'd pay for this, it frustrates me because I feel like that's a feature that shouldn't be paid. It should be a fundamental part of the platform and available to everybody. Um, but I would almost certainly end up paying for it, I guess. <laughs> Shelly, why don't you wrap us up here? So like Micah, I would pay for TweetDeck. Um, and that's I, I love love the Endure TweetDeck, and that will make me pay long before the edit button will. I remember when the uh, third-party apps, some of them had editing privileges and then the API took that away unfortunately. And so I miss it and and my my issue I'm happy to delete a tweet. My issue is when I tweet something and I've made a typo and then I walk away and I come back 20 minutes later and I see the typo and I want to delete it and there's three likes on it already and I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to lose those." Uh so it's it's a it's a tough challenge. And as the representative of a journalistic institution, uh that is a challenge and I imagine uh chapters written in uh style and ethics manuals to which I would contribute for my personal tweets, however, Give me that edit button. <laughs> Give me that edit button. <laughs> All right. That is two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it's halftime. And this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Electric. Look, turning a small business into an empire takes work. And you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take things to the next level. That can be hard when you're direct when you're pulled in multiple different directions because that's the reality of being a boss. The team over at Electric No Small Businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. It's important. I run a small business, and it's important for me to be able to delegate stuff because I, you know, I have an accountant, for example. I don't want to spend all my time thinking about my taxes. I want to have somebody who does that for me so that I can keep working on recording podcasts and writing stuff. It just it feels like that's a thing that I can easily delegate. And if I had an IT department, I can understand the appeal of wanting to delegate that too. For Clockwise listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash clockwise. That's electric.ai slash clockwise. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. All right, halftime is over. Micah, what is your topic? Very simple question. Tell us about your desk chair, your office chair, the chair you sit in a lot. Joe? Uh, so initially, I had like a $49 Office Max chair uh, that disintegrated over the past 15 years. Uh, and then when the pandemic started, I was sitting in a West Elm wood chair uh, for the entire like first eight months of that um because you couldn't order any sort of chair uh at the time uh because everybody was working from home and uh, then avail availability happened for this one company that uh, my boyfriend saw on instagram called branch and i was just like okay better than nothing uh we i got that um assembled it uh it was fine 
Uh, and then now I'm just kind of annoyed with it. And I wish <laughs> that uh, I had just held out for that Herman Miller chair uh, for a little longer uh, in order to have an actually good ergonomic experience as well, uh, instead of just one that is advertised as an ergonomic chair. <laughs> uh, I'm standing right now, so I'm not sitting in a chair at the moment. Uh, but I do have a chair that I sit in for much of the day. It is an Aeron chair. Yeah, those chairs that they put in all the startups back like 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, this chair actually has been around since I worked at Macworld uh, because I convinced them to pay for part of it back when I was a remote worker. Part uh, of it? Uh, we split the, the arms, cost. just the arms, just the arms, the just wheels. the arms. <laughs> no, we split the cost because it was more expensive than like the budget they had. But I was like, look, I'll pay the overage <laughs> if you pay the base cost, because this is a nicer chair and I want a comfortable chair. Uh, and that chair served me very well. I've even sent it back to uh, where I bought it to have parts of it sort of fixed and replaced uh, because it was covered under warranty still, which has been really nice. I'm hoping I still have many, many years to get out of it because I find it very comfortable. So I don't know if I could switch to another chair. Shelly, what about you? I have an Aeron chair knockoff. It's an Aeron mm. chair in the sense that it has the mesh back and seat. And I believe it's an Office Max chair. I paid a couple hundred dollars for it a number of years ago when my then chair, the arms literally fell off of it. And this chair I, I like a lot, except for the arms, which I wish were a little more low profile. But uh, I am not the sort of person who just casually shops for office chairs. So this thing is going to have to fall apart or roll away before I will ever go out and look for the ideal chair because I do sort of have dreams of some sort of fancy Herman Miller chair in my future, but uh, they'll have to remain dreams for now. <laughs> um, for me, I ended up going to, there's a company called Autonomous.ai and they make an ergonomic chair um, that looks a lot like the Aeron chair that looks a lot like the uh, other ones that are there. And it is, it didn't cost as much as an Aeron chair. Um, and I've used it now for, for years and it works quite well. Uh, mine is gray and it has the, the sort of very nice mesh, uh, neck rest or headrest and, uh, the arm. I think the one thing that I hate about it are the arms, uh, because they move way too much. Mm. Um, I wish that they were more stuck in place. Uh, but they're supposed, you know, it's supposed to be for adjusting it, but I, it just constantly adjusts. So in one way, it's like a built-in fidget cube, but in the other way, it makes too much noise to fidget with it while I'm doing podcasts. So that part I don't like about it. But uh, yeah, it was a way for me to get a comfortable chair and save a little bit of money uh, at the same time. Thank you all for your answers on that. We'll include links to as many of those chairs as we can. Uh, let's move on to our final show topic, which comes from Joe. And just before that, I want to say links are not endorsements uh, in the case of the branch furniture chair. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, for uh, my topic, uh, Plex yesterday announced that they would have a new way to discover and make a universal watch list of any television show or movie that you're watching across all of the apps and services that are available to you. Um, so you can go in and check boxes and then it's there. And it's supposed to be completely agnostic of any uh, service that you would you would want. Uh, it looks promising, although I have not signed up for the beta to do that process yet. Uh, it it offers something that is missing from the first party solutions, and it is something that I'm not sure. Am I going to use this universal watch list inside of a third party app that I'm going to have to remember to jump inside of, or am I going to want to have 
the first platform uh first party platform uh person do it and what are your thoughts on that uh you know as you as you think about these things what, what, what are your feelings dan i it appeals to me for the reasons you're talking about which is right now i use the up next feature in the apple tv which has problems mainly that netflix has not signed on therefore you never get any of your netflix stuff in your little queue there but the idea of going to a third party, even though I use Plex, I like Plex. I It's an app that I dip into occasionally, but not one that I really spend a lot of time in. And I can sort of appreciate their sort of bid to become the top of your, the top of your home screen on your Apple TV. But I, I just don't... I don't know. I think I'm in the same boat as you, is that it appeals to me and the idea is interesting, but uh, I kind of just want... Apple and Netflix to come to terms and sort out their <laughs> their difference of opinions to get this built in because it should just be a built in feature. I feel like everybody is losing by this, most especially the the watchers. So, um, yeah, I, I will probably give it a try. I'm not sure if it will really catch on for me, but I, I'm you know what I've I've liked Plex for a long time. I'm definitely willing to see if they've ma- mainly if they've managed to solve this problem because it's definitely something that frustrates me on a regular basis. Shelley, what do you think? I use Plex a lot, and I also am a dip-in and dip-out TV watcher. If somebody recommends a show that I think I might want to watch, chances are very good I won't know where to find it. And I just want to type in a search box the name of the show and see uh, the watch options and have them be complete and then be able to put it on a watch list. And then when I'm ready, I can pay for it or I can grab it or whatever is appropriate. And because that isn't universally available in a good way for for me, I'm not an Apple TV first person. I have an Apple TV. And I noticed recently Plex also has been added by Apple to uh, Siri search. I haven't used it yet, but that's exciting because I have a lot of Plex stuff that I would like to be able to, to search. But I feel like for me, the amount of Plex I use probably makes it a good home base. The Plex UI is not perfect either, and it varies by platform as well. So there's going to be some challenges, but I'm I'm probably going to be running out and looking for a chance to get on that beta. Siri, highlight Dan's answer. Siri, <laughs> copy. Siri, paste. I'm sorry, Micah. I can't do that. No, Siri. Yeah, I feel ex- literally what Dan said. It's exactly the same. I dip into uh, Plex at times, and I wish that uh, the Apple TV app would work with Netflix and that I could just do it all there because that's what I use most of the time. Uh, so, Joe, you can round us out. Yeah, I I think I'm ultimately not going to go the Plex route. I, it just makes me even more frustrated about the situation. Because uh, one thing Plex doesn't mention in their blog post uh, that I'm a little wary of is that how does the mm-hmm. watch list data get populated as you complete shows? Mm-hmm. Or what is the status of the show? Is that shared back to Plex? Because they don't mention that in the beta uh, blog post where they, they discuss this. And so it's really something where you'd have to give that a whirl, I guess, before you find out, because I don't see Netflix sharing the completion data back to the list or uh, crossing off things that you've watched as you've watched them. So if you go watch something in Netflix and come back to the app, or if you have finished watching something on the watch list inside of the app, how does it get removed or marked as completed uh, or your progress logged? Um, and that that seemed like sort of a, a, a vacant hole in what they were announcing. So anyway, Apple, uh, please make it good. Uh, the thing that you said is supposed to be good. Uh, so that way I don't have to worry about that. Uh, it would be fine for me, I think. 
All right, that's four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get there, I want to tell you this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Studio 3T. When you're developing applications, working with the underlying data can be a chore. Studio 3T equips you with a complete set of tools to work with MongoDB data. From building queries with drag and drop to creating complex aggregation pipelines, Studio 3T makes it easy. And now there's Studio 3T free, a free edition of Studio 3T, which delivers an essential core of tools. You can get started for free with Studio 3T free. And then when you're ready, you can upgrade to Studio 3T Pro or Studio 3T Ultimate. And when you do upgrade, you'll unlock even more tools and integrations with MongoDB, SQL, Oracle, and Sybase so you can work more efficiently wherever you get your work done. Start today by downloading Studio 3T free. And when you do, you'll get a 30-day free trial of all the features of Studio 3T Ultimate. So you can try out some of the enterprise features as well. And the best part is there's no credit card required. To start your trial, head to studio3t.com slash clockwise. That's studio3t.com slash clockwise. Go there now. Our thanks to Studio 3T for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, my bonus question for you this week. Do you have a favorite flower? And that's F-L-O-U-R. Shelly? Well, I'm going to go out of the box right away because I like pecan flour. It's great for making breading for uh, fish, stuff like that. So, And it's uh, hard to find sometimes, but worth it. Almond flour. It's uh, excellent as a gluten-free option for making fried chicken. It's also super low carb, uh, if that's the thing that you're interested in. And it also comes with its own sort of nice, unique flavor. So almond flour all the way. Uh, Double zero. Uh, So pizza, pizza, pizza. Uh, you know what? I was going to go with a, a, a very off from Micah's answer, although I don't do really gluten-free stuff very much. Rice flour in chocolate cakes and stuff is actually really good. It's a really good combination. Just works with the chocolate well. Hey, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise. You can sign up for just $5 a month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss our media libraries and we have reached the end of the show which means of course all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week shelly brisbane thank you so much for being here my pleasure and joseph rosensteel man of many podcasts thank you for joining us wow thank you for having me and micah will be back next week but until then we remind everybody listening out there watch what you say and keep watching the clock bye everybody (laughs) 